Welcome to Talking Giants Player Profiles and Projections. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic. We're brought to you by John Boy Media. Justin, starting to get a little sentimental. Second to last player profile and projection of the 2020 season. We got Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley Broccoli, and Corey Ballantyne. Bobby, I will say, um, little yeah, getting a little sentimental. Uh, these PPPs are always a lot of fun. They're a lot of work because we're basically recording every night or recording multiple times per day, trying to get them out uh, before the week. But it's been a lot of fun. We hope that you've enjoyed them. Uh, we're saving pretty much the best three players for last, uh, Corey Ballantyne being the best of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Corey Ballantyne <laughs> may be a backup by the time you hear this. Maybe we'll sign Prince of Mukamara. The beat reporters are talking about it. Anyways, Justin, we are going to start with Saquon Barkley, though. Though. Saquon Barkley, he's 5'11", 233 pounds, 23 years old, and he was taken with the second overall pick, and which was a much-debated, very controversial pick to start the Dave Gettleman era. We're not going to revisit that because, you know what, we don't like to beat a dead horse. Justin, in 2019, it was an up-and-down and weird year. He got hurt in the Tampa Bay game in Daniel Jones' debut. Finishes the year over 1,000 yards on 4.6 yards per carry. I don't really like that 4.6 yards per carry, but we'll talk about it because there were some bad games in there. Six touchdowns in the receiving game. He had 52 catches, 438 yards, two touchdowns. Um, big time down with Daniel Jones, and we'll get into that. Uh, you know, The receiving game, I actually think, is the most interesting part of the Saquon Barkley conversation. But Justin, Saquon, obviously an awesome talent. It hasn't translated the wins, as many top draft picks don't. Uh, I know that gets debated like crazy. But Justin, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits with Daniel Jones in year two and this Jason Garrett offense. I don't know if I can think of, especially because we're talking about Saquon Barkley getting an extension probably sooner rather than later. And I don't know, Bobby. I can't think of a player whose 2020 season is really like much more important and the success is much more important for a singular player. Um, because especially if Saquon Barkley can put up the production that we know he can be put that that we know he can put up, a big payday is probably coming. And if some of the same questions are there um in 2020 as there was in 2019, you know, maybe there's some questions and there's some tough conversations that need to be had. But anyway, I want to get into the numbers briefly. I want to get into some uh running back data because I'll tell you what, Bobby, for somebody who uh does not really believe that running backs hold a lot of value in today's NFL. I sure do love looking at running back data. It's so much. I have a lot of fun with it. I hate that part of myself, but I've had a lot of fun looking at Saquon Barkley data and Saquon Barkley's performance, trying to separate that from offensive line performance this summer. I've had a lot of fun. So I'll talk about some of the stuff that I found. Um, do you want to, well, first of all, do you want to go into just raw stats first? And then I can go to some. I already did the raw stats. Look, look at that. Let's talk about 2019 a little bit, and then we'll talk about like what happened in 2019, why it wasn't explosive. You know, we start the year he, over 100 yards in both the the Dallas game and the Buffalo game. I mean, you remember the first two drives of those games, and it's like, man, this is how this offense is going to run with Pat Shermer. And you know, the Dallas game, run the ball, big big run to start the game, touchdown. Buffalo game, we ran it what seven times in a row, just ran the ball every single time, touchdown Giants. And it's like, man, this offense is clicking. It's figuring itself out. And then it seemed like after that, Justin, we never had a game start like that. We didn't have a game start like that afterwards. Um, and I think that is what we want out of him. But obviously, the injury happened in the Tampa Bay game. 
He came back super early. It was like freakishly early after the high ankle sprain. Um, He struggled. Like, he struggled. You had the Jets game where he had one yard. A lot of that was like, you know, Spencer Pulley sucking. We talked about that on his PPP. But you could just tell. Every time there would be a big play, he'd come off limping. Like, you could tell he was injured. And it didn't seem until like around the Green Bay game, maybe Chicago, um, that it's like, okay, he's back. He's back and healthy. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And even despite the struggles, he still had a pretty decent season, though. And I think we even talked about in his season in review episode that we did a couple months back, we talked about how still, despite the circumstances around him and despite the injury, he had a pretty solid season when you break it down and you break down those numbers. So Saquon did finish with 4.6 yards per carry. Now, NFL Next Gen Stats, one of my new favorite measurements and one of my new favorite metrics that they're going to have, and they're actually going to develop, they're going to update this weekly throughout the 2020 season, I'm very excited about this, is expected yards per carry and expected rushing yards. And what that basically means is NFL Next Gen Stats is, is able to track based off of player tracking data and all of the outcomes and all outcomes that have previously happened before in NFL games, they're able to track based off of down and distance, personnel, how many guys are in the box, you know, they're able to track the outcome and predict a certain outcome of a play. So they're able to do that. So Saquon Barkley, like we said, finished with 4.6 yards per carry, but his expected yards per carry in terms of what, based off of the player tracking data, what his yards per carry was expected to be was four. So that's a difference of about 0. 0.6, 0. 0.6 rushing yards over expected per attempt which basically means that Saquon Barkley, with his own individual performance as a running back, is adding about 0.6 of a yard per attempt to each carry. That's pretty darn good. So over the season, he his expected rushing yards was 874. His rushing yards over expected that he added by himself was 127. That doesn't seem that much. He only played 13 games, limited attempts. One of those games was a game that he basically got just a few carries because... That Tampa Bay game, he left with that high ankle sprain. So if he plays 16 games, both the expected rushing yards, they're going to go up, and what he adds on his own individual performance, that's also going to go up himself. Bobby, the big thing that I found this offseason, Bobby, the thing that basically backs up the rushing yards over expected metric and what I found on Football Outsiders is the difference between the adjusted line yards measurement and the open field rank. Adjusted line yards in just uh, in in short with a short story here. Adjusted line yards is looking at offensive line production. Open field rank. It's looking at how can how is a rushing offense reliant on uh, carries of ten plus yards. So adjusted line yards. How can an offensive line and how can a rushing offense get consistent chunks of four, five, six yards? Open field. How much is an offense dependent on the big play? The Giants in 2018 they were first in the National Football League in their open field rank, so they were very reliant on the big play. And in 2019, even though Saquon Barkley was hurt, they were eighth in the National Football League. Now, in the alley rankings, which is offensive line consistency and pretty much offensive line production, of how often are they able to churn out four, five, six-yard consistent chunks per carry? They're ranked in the bottom quarter of the league. So I find that to be very, very impressive that Barkley is able to still sustain those big runs get those big runs left and right, even with the high ankle sprain in 2019, when the offensive line is not that reliant. Yeah, and hopefully Andrew Thomas 
after that, uh, Nick Gates as center. Um, we'll see what right tackle is. Um, hopefully, you know, Parrott can get in there eventually. And I, I think, like I said, this offense should score points with Saquon Barkley as running back, Daniel Jones as quarterback, and some talent at the receiver and tight end position. Um, Justin, he had he's averaged about 16 carries per game um, in his career, and the Giants have been down in a lot of games. I know like you, you like to hit on that, where it's like when you're down, you're passing more. If we could add three carries a game, Justin, at his yards per carry, he would lead the league in rushing. And I that's what I want from Saquon Barkley, is to be the league leader in rushing consistently. Like, there's no reason for him to not consistently be the league leader in rushing. And we'll get into the receiving game, adding, like, real, real being a real part of the receiving game. And I mean more than McCaffrey. I get McCaffrey might end up having more yards and stuff, but... I remember last year I got so aggravated when they were people were getting mad at Pat Shermer for the way he like um, used Barkley, which there's credence to that, but they're saying, well, they got to use him like uh, the Panthers do with McCaffrey. Where it's like, no, the Panthers don't really do anything different with McCaffrey. The only difference is their QBs were very quick to get the ball out, like Eli Manning, and it led to a lot of catches. It's just like Eli Manning being with Saquon in 2018 led to him having 91 catches. So I guess that does transition us into the receiving game. Daniel Jones is not a quarterback who's getting quick to the check. And I don't want him to be that. I, there's times where he needs to be like that. But I don't want him being a quick to the check quarterback, Justin. That being said, he likes to check to the tight end. That's where he likes to go in the tight end. Because in the middle of the field, short routes. They need to split Saquon out wide and let him run routes. And have plays where he's in the running back and being like, Jones, this play is for Saquon. Saquon, like you have your first read to keep, you know, your eyes off, but the first option is Saquon, not the first read, but the first option is Saquon. They have to be intentional with the way they get Saquon in the receiving game and not just, hey, swing pass, um, Jones come, come down and hit him on the check down. Yeah, one of the things that we wanted to see in 2019 was the yards per reception increase from 2018 because... Like you just said, Bobby, we want Saquon Barkley more involved in the passing game rather than just check down. So, yes, there was about a half a yard of an increase from 2018 and 2019. 2018, he averaged 7.9 yards perception. 2019, he averaged 8.4. But what did stay the same is the yards after catch per reception. With 2018, he was 8.4. and 2019, he was exactly 8.4 as well. So that's still telling me that they're not doing enough to get him out in space. They're giving him they're, they're giving him dump offs. They're continuing to give him dump offs and checkdowns, and they're not getting him involved enough. And even his average depth of target in 2018, it was 0. 0.1. And in 2019, it was 0. 0.8. <laughs> they're not his average depth of target isn't even more than one yard past the line of scrimmage. Right. Yeah, and then like that Washington game where you saw him go down the seam. That's the kind of things where you know, that wasn't like a first option kind of play, but it's getting him down the field and it's instead of just swing, not like even like arrow routes that are in the middle of the field, like those aren't always the most effective. So they just need to be more intentional with the way they get him involved in the receiving game. And you know what? Barkley had some mistakes too. You know what I'm saying? Like the Bears game, that swing pass that I don't know if uh, it would have been a touchdown, but that would have been a big play. That would have flipped Tampa everything. Dropped it. He dropped a touchdown pass in the beginning of that game. He had mistakes, and speaking of mistakes, so that transitioned us into the blocking game. Bobby, I was actually thinking about this pre-show. I'm not 
tremendously overtly worried about his blocking, especially with the presence of Deion Lewis. If he's healthy and he struggles while he blocks, obviously that's that's bad and that's no bueno. But with Deion Lewis here, I'm not overly concerned. What what does Deion Lewis have to do with it? Deion Lewis is a better pass blocker. Yeah, but he shouldn't be a better pass blocker. Okay, then Deion Lewis is more of a third down back, and I don't mind that. With Saquon on your team, you really shouldn't have like you should have both. You can have both on the field at the same time. But with Saquon on your team, you really shouldn't have like okay, Deion Lewis comes and like you know you spell him here and there. But it's not gonna, we're not going. We can't have like a two back system. He needs to improve on his blocking. Um, you can blame some of it on the ankle. Some of it was not. Some of it was some mental stuff. Um, there was one in the Arizona that flashes to me where he he has the wrong assignment. The Jets game, he got blown up twice. Two fumbles um, were you know like you know they're Jones's fault, but they were on Saquon. They were on Saquon's block, and the whole Jamal Adams return for a touchdown that was Saquon's block where he got blown up, and it showed up in other games. And he needs to practice blocking. They are practicing blocking, but stop trying to go like same with Will Hernandez. Stop trying to go out for the knockout hit all the time. Just be consistent with it. I think overall consistency is what we're looking for with Saquon Barkley. And he's a good player. Um, He has some areas where he needs to improve. Um, Something that I did forget to read off before um, in terms of it's how it's bad that we're relying on the big home run play. 4.6 yards per carry in 2019. Seven of those 13 games, he averaged four or less yards per carry. Three of those games, he averaged two or less yards per carry. So, Bobby, overall, overall, then this isn't even just with Saquon. I guess overall for this Giants offense, we're looking for more consistency. You know, we we shouldn't be coming out here one game. You know, Daniel Jones is slinging the ball, throwing the ball for 350 yards. Saquon Barkley is having an incredible, and I'm particularly thinking of that Washington game. Saquon Barkley has an incredible day running the ball 150 yards, and the next week the offense is nowhere to be seen. This offense just needs to find a way to be more consistent as an entire group and be more consistent for each other. I agree. That being said, I get that sometimes they're too reliant on the home run ball, but the home run ball is awesome. It's awesome to have a running back who just takes it. He takes it for a touchdown. We saw it more in his rookie year. Um, we saw it toward, you know, towards the end of, uh, of, of 2019, but his rookie year, we saw it a ton. Um, you know, he started his career with the Jags game where he had, we had the home run ball. I love the home run plays. There's not many running backs who can do that and do it consistently. Like you yeah, know, no. every running back who gets a lot of years, it will get like one. They'll get like one play like that. Saquon, we go into a year expecting four or five of those. You know, I 100% agree, but when we're talking about how this offense is really going to sustain success in 2020, Bobby, it's going to be with churning out. It's going to have to be. It's going to have to be churning out consistent four, five, six-yard chunks. That is something that Saquon Barkley has not been able to do his entire career. So this even gets, I don't want to get into the whole value of a running back conversation, but this is where you really get into it because Saquon Barkley, yes, he overexceeds those, what he's quote-unquote expected to do because he's just a really darn good football player. So he's able to get those big home run plays. He's able to really break those tackles and that spurts a big run. But how often is that going to happen? That's not going to sustain 
a extremely successful and efficient offense that's going to sustain really good highlight plays and really good highlight clips for YouTube. But what's really going to result in wins in football games is if the Giants can hold on to the ball for longer, sustain drives, get that time of possession up, and we've been talking about this all offseason, get that time of possession up, not be putting the defense on the field so quickly, so churning out those four, five, six yards, that's more, and it's more reliant on offensive line performance than individual running back performance anyway. Because I guarantee you, Bobby, if and it was— And passing more on first down. We need and, to pass yes, more on first down to 100%. set up more consistent run plays. 100%. Because, Bobby, if it was going to happen uh, already, especially in 2018— we would have seen an offense, an extremely efficient rushing offense. If it was already meant to happen, it would have happened already. So we need to see more from the offensive line. And this is why I say value running back. It's not that great because it's so predicated on offensive line success. All right. Um, we're about 17 minutes in. Are we good on Saquon? We could do a few minutes on Corey Ballantyne. Yeah, He's I an wish. awesome player. We don't. You don't need us to explain how awesome of a player Saquon is, but it's uh, it's you know what? This, these these ones get the most numbers, though. It's it's crazy. I wish right. I wish we could talk for ten more minutes because he's so it's so important and it's so it's such a nuanced conversation about how he works and how he can work and uh, what it actually you know what he actually has to do to be successful. I wish we could talk more. All right, let's take a break and move on to Corey Ballantyne. I'm the best. All right, Justin. Let's talk about Corey Ballantyne going into his second year in the NFL. He's five foot eleven, one hundred ninety six pounds, twenty four years old. Was taken with the one hundred eightieth overall pick in the twenty nineteen draft in the sixth round. Justin, he uh, had an impressive combine where he you know ran a four four seven forty thirty nine and a half inch vertical jump. Uh, we didn't see it, but supposedly he really impressed in the pro day practice or the senior senior game senior bowl practices. I like Ballantyne. I was actually for the move. And even in hindsight, I was cool with him being brought into bench Grant Haley in the slot because Grant Haley obviously isn't really a long-term option anywhere at corner. Even though he's not a nickel corner, I was fine at that. And I knew he would struggle. And it was like an it was an example of you're late in the year, let the kids play. He struggled though. Uh, his opponent's stats and, and were 27 for 42, 64.3%, 393 yards. Four touchdowns and zero interceptions on 27% of the snaps. So definitely not good. Justin, as we record this, he is the starting corner on the outside. We we're pre- I think some of the beat reporters are hinting at it. Logan Ryan is probably going to play in the slot, which means Corey Ballantyne will start. I have uh, I like Corey Ballantyne. I think he has potential, but I do think he'll struggle um, in year two. Yeah. The Chicago game was arguably the worst game that he had last year. Uh, pretty much any time he allowed a completion, it was a big completion. His yards per completion was almost 15 yards. His average depth of target that when he was targeted on defense was around almost 12 yards. So, Bobby, he was put into a very tough situation. Number one, because he was a six-round pick. And you can make an argument that he shouldn't have even been playing in the first place because we just had very bad cornerback depth last year. And also we we chose to cut our number one corner because he said a bad word. Number two, he was also playing out of position. I, I don't he did not really play slot corner in college. He was more natural. He was more natural um, outside boundary corner than he was a slot corner. Yes, he has the speed. Um, yes, he showed some promising things in the preseason in terms of his ball skills, had an interception in the preseason, I believe. So that mm-hmm. that gave you promise. But Bobby, it's just a matter of when you're out there and you're getting your ass kicked. <laughs> 
and you're losing while you're trying to learn, that's such a... T- and you're also not even playing your, your natural position. That's just such a tough, tough thing to do. It's a tough spot to be in for a kid that you can make an argument that wasn't even ready to be out there in the first place. All, the, all of those combinations create a, a beautiful disaster. And he was screwed by James Betcher who just left him at slot. You didn't let Janoris Jenkins follow anybody. So the Packers and the Bears, Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, two really good wide receivers, they put him in the slot, and they went to work on him because those guys go to work on everybody, let alone a six-round rookie who was playing in the nickel spot. And I was fine with him playing the nickel spot, but what I wasn't fine was with not having Janoris Jenkins follow those guys in the slot. So that's something we trust Patrick Graham will change. We won't have Corey Ballantyne for the most part. There's times where you can't avoid it. But Corey Ballantyne going up against number one wide receivers for entire drives like James Betcher put him into. So that is where there's a little hope right there. Like you said, he has the speed. I like him on the outside as a press corner. And, you know, like you said, has some decent ball skills. I like what I see out of Corey Ballantyne. But, like I said, I think... He will struggle this year because he's going into his second year. Not to say that he won't become a good player. I have some faith in it. I think he has all the talent to become a good player. But year two, there's gonna there will be some struggles. That's the thing, is that how much are the how much is he going to struggle? That's really the million dollar question because you could be looking at a singular spot on this giant secondary. Logan Ryan and Darnay Holmes, they could be doing whatever, splitting time at the at the slot corner you maybe feel good about that combination you know Logan Ryan is maybe at times being a number three safety as well which I don't necessarily agree with I think Logan Ryan should be a boundary corner but we're talking about Corey Ballantyne you feel good about James Bradbury you feel good about our safeties but it's just a matter of there could be one spot in a secondary and offensive coordinators and, and really good offensive minds in today's NFL they're smart enough where if they see it that there's a weak point in your defense they're going to target that weak point over and over and over again until a defensive coordinator can find some way to adjust and make that better. So that is the one thing that I'm really worried about in a passing league where it's so easy to uh where it's so easy to take advantage of weak points in a defense and we've seen that on this Giants defense. Um I'm worried for Corey Ballantyne being at CB2. But when you have Logan Ryan when you have James Bradbury, it's a lot It's a lot easier to hide one guy than two guys. And that was the worry before Logan Ryan went. It's like we got two young guys out there who are going to struggle. So I get that you can attack a weak spot. But if you're a good defensive coordinator, you know where your weak spot is. And you put a safety over the top. You put him in, some more, in, in more underneath coverage than just one-on-one man stuff. And you pick and choose your battles. So I get what you're saying. He is the weakest spot of the secondary. But that doesn't mean it just cripples the whole defense where two different guys would cripple the defense where, you know, DeAndre Baker had some rookie struggles to start the season and you had Ballantyne and Haley in the slot. So it's like, okay, we can just hit one side of the field, especially when James Betcher didn't have his best corner following the best wide receiver around the field. So I get it, but I don't, I think Logan Ryan being added changes the way you view this defense because it's not, oh, we're so screwed. We got two corners that are young and are going to get picked on. Whereas now, yeah, Ballantyne, he's not, I'm not saying Ballantyne's not going to have bad moments, but it's it's not going to be nearly as bad as if we didn't get Logan Ryan. And I have faith in Ballantyne to eventually grow into a player. Yeah. I'm I I'm just reflecting on his uh, now again 2019 Pro Football Reference page. 27% of the snaps, so let's call that 30% and let's call 42 targets 40 for the sake of quick math. 
Um, if he played 60% of the defensive snaps, he was on pace to basically get 80 targets. That's not good. So we're hoping to see growth. We're hoping to see growth over time. Year two jump. He has a year. He got his feet wet. He didn't play 80% of the snaps and struggle in 80%. He played 27% of the snaps in a position, partially in a position that he was not supposed to be playing for in the first place. So hopefully he can take those steps up and hopefully Graham could do a good enough job of scheming. If Ballantyne's going to be the cornerback number two and we don't bring in another, another veteran, hopefully we can do a good enough job where that one little weak point isn't the thing that totally cripples the defense, like you said. Yeah, and rookie corners are going to struggle. It's a hard position yeah. to transition to. Like you said, it's out of the position. So, Ballantyne's rookie year doesn't have me down on him at all. There's re- like it just I just know that he will have some struggles in year two because of what I think of him as a player. Not to say that he won't eventually be a good player, but when we're like... When we say that he is the weak spot, it really has nothing to do with his rookie season because I expected that and I was okay with that. You know, I wasn't like pissed off at Corey Ballantyne where I was at like Grant Haley. I was totally fine with the way Corey Ballantyne was because I knew it was a losing situation. And it was at that point of the year where you had that let the kids play mentality. So I know like this sounds like kind of like negative on Ballantyne, but I I don't view Ballantyne negatively. I do want to bring in Prince or somebody else and let him be depth in year two. And if he can beat that guy out, let him beat him out. But I, I view Corey Ballantyne on with a positive like view. I just hope he's not a starter. I view him as a very good depth piece. I hope we bring it in another corner. So Corey Ballantyne, we love you. Um, that's a player profile and projection. We'll be back tomorrow. The Daniel Jones, the Daniel Jones episode. We'll see you then. Let's go big blue.